Uh, thank you for being here. Um, we have, I know we have many on, online and on Facebook. I know some, of course, it was a little too wet, too wet for you all out there. And uh, we want you to know that we love you. I know that some of you may have gotten a reprieve. And others of you just you couldn't pull away from your hot chocolate and the, being cuddled on the couch watching the news tonight. But anyway, we want to let you know you're special. How about I put our hands together and welcome our online audience tonight. Someone has said these uh, words, you know, the price of everything, but the value of nothing. Let me say it again. You know, the price of everything, but the value of nothing. And that statement is uh, emphatically uh, thought provoking. It examines character. It reveals priorities in a person's life and expresses motives of a person's heart. But here's one of the things that I found out that often the price of something has little to do with the real value. And often the most valuable things in life don't cost much at all. How about this? I love you. How much was that? Uh, sharing a hug or sharing an encouraging word or giving an unexpected minute to someone who just really may need your time and they're afraid to ask for it. Those things cost very little. You and I are, in fact, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read a story about a little boy that he asked his dad one day, and he said, hey, Dad, uh, how, how, much, how much do you earn in an hour? And Dad said, listen, son, I'm real busy right now. He said, I, I really don't know. But how much, Dad? He said, I'll probably make $50 an hour. He said, when I'm working, that's probably what I make. How many like to make $50 an hour or more? Say amen. Oh, yeah. But he said, son, just don't bother me right now. Well, the little boy, of course, went uh, over the next week or so and kind of did odd and end jobs and finally came back one night. His dad had gotten in and apparently settled down. And uh, he said, Dad, here, here's $25. I wonder if I could buy 30 minutes of your time so that we could play together. You ask yourself and you think, oh, what a sweet little story. The problem with that is most kids don't come back with $25. And the truth of the matter is dad never does have time to play with them, to relate and to communicate with them because often dad is too busy. Well, we know that Jesus is getting right to the point. He's got a real challenge between talking to those about their history out of the Old Testament. Here it is, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we know the early bird does what? Gets the worm. Oh, wow, that's amazing. But he's beginning to teach those that are listening of various backgrounds, the Jews included, the Pharisees, the judges. And he's saying, hey, you judge things one of two ways. You judge them either by the temporal that which is temporary, or you judge things by, by eternity, eternal value. And then he goes on in our text tonight in Matthew 6, 19. He said, treasure is important. Say that with me. Treasure is important. Oh, but, but what kind of treasure? He said, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth. 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He's relating to his listeners and say, you can accumulate all kind of worth. But at the end of the day, lose it. Because the worth that you gained was not of eternal value. Gone in a vapor, not there anymore. He's teaching that new principle of those Jews and Gentiles. And he's revealing the fact that, that everything that we do is not temporal. But he said much of life as God programmed us and has anointed us has to do with eternity. God, I want to live my life with a reflection of eternity, understanding what it means. I give a hug, that's eternal. I give a good, kind word, that's eternal. I do a good deed, that's eternal. He said the temporal things that we do often are things that we do. Oh, I'm a good man, give you the shirt off my back. But he said, if you're expecting and wanting something in return, if you send a gift and you don't get a thank you card, you're saying, I won't ever send them anything else. But with that spirit, don't send it. Because you see, that's of temporal nature. But he said, if you want to bless someone, you want to really reach out, send it, give love, give understanding, give care, he says. And do it for all of eternity because God takes note of everything and every word that we do. Lay not up treasures upon earth that will be lost by rust or those who steal. So he's dealing with the Beatitudes. We tried this one on for size in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the person who is not proud or haughty yet, the person that's poor in spirit, that's humble. It is, I call it the Mary syndrome. I'm not ashamed to reach down and to bathe Jesus' feet and wash it with my hair. I'm that poor in spirit. You see, it's hard to change if you're not careful. It's hard to change if you're raised in this culture, not exposed to what the Bible says. It's hard to change the way you think and the way you value things and the way you react until your heart is affected by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Believers think differently than unbelievers. Born again individuals think differently and view life differently than a person that's on their own journey and has little time for spiritual things. For example, not every house is a home. Not every man, woman, and child is a family. Not every religious gathering is a church. Not every sexual encounter is love. Not every present is a gift. Jesus is saying that in your life you're going to be busy and you're going to be focused and at the end of the day that which you have done is lost because you sought the wrong treasure. Oh, look what we did today. We did this, 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 all for the family, all for the, all of those things. But he said, and what did you do in the name of the Lord? What did you do that blessed someone else? You remember I spoke last Sunday and God gave me that word and I knew it was from the Lord in that moment. I may have said it before, but I knew that came from the Lord. Here it is. Make someone else's dream come true. Make someone else's dream come true. 
Do you know how many single family members that we hear that struggle? And if something happens in their home with the plumbing or the electrical, do you know they're up the creek, my friend? Because they don't have the resources or the money to be able to say, we have to fix that. Because we just can't make it. We're already stretching everything that we have, working and doing all of that. You see, we do not, we do not want to overlook opportunities that God gives us because those are eternal opportunities. Don't live exclusively for the temporal. Well, what are our treasures? What are they? What is valuable? But store it for yourselves, treasures in where? heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal jesus taught what not to do he says i want you to be careful in life that you don't work yourself to the bone And you look and you realize, I didn't do much for the kingdom of God. I did a lot for my family. I did a lot. I did a lot civically. But I didn't do much for the kingdom of God. I didn't didn't take the time to share how good God's been to me and my family. I didn't take time to... To reach out in the name of the Lord. You see, here's the difference in social services and those that serve through the social service as it relates to the church. There's always a gospel message there. To give food, to give clothing, to give drink, that is the dream center, my friend. Everything that we do has a message attached to it. Can you say amen? We want to clothe you. We want to clothe you. We want to minister to you. We want to give you clothing. But we also want to tell you about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, I know some might think, boy, they'll, they'll believe anything. And they'll get the clothing and the food and everything else and say that they're falling in love with Jesus in order to get it. I'd be careful not to judge. Because we might serve a hundred individuals at one lick, but guess what? If one makes the true commitment, how many know it's worth it all? Say amen. Just one, just one, just one. But we do it as aggressively as we possibly can. You see, it's like... Being so busy raising a family. How many of you know that's tough? Raising a family that you don't have time to be a family. Daddy, how much do you make an hour? I don't know, 50 bucks an hour. You suppose I could have 30 minutes? Dad's busy raising a family, but he doesn't have time to be a family so here's what he suggests i'm terming it stating it this way get yourself a vault say that with me get yourself a vault sharon and the kids got me a safe three four five years ago could be seven or eight years ago somewhere in this century When they got it, quite frankly, I thought, you know, it's this wide, that high, it's about that deep. I have a few guns. 
few pistols, things like that. So, wow, Dad, we got you a safe. I had that thought. What in the world do I need a safe for? Do you know you can't just pick them up and move them around? Did you know that? This baby had lead in its legs. I can go to that safe today, and I can hardly put anything in it because it's full of my stuff and others. Sharon went to, uh, through one of, the, uh, one of the closets the other day. It's a closet that's on the side of the house, and that closet is 20 feet long and probably 8 feet wide. She said, I'm getting it, and I'm going to tackle it. Will you go for it? About three o'clock, I communicated with her. She said, I'm still going, you would be surprised what I have found in here. I found this and this and this and this. I didn't even know that we had. How many of you have ever hidden a Christmas gift and you found it six months later, maybe? Sure. Well, put it in the vault, Jesus says. And why? Because it is the place that will keep what you put in there valuable until the day of reckoning of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that in life? And here are the areas of great importance. Spend your life for God. I want to pause here. Don't be a hypocrite about the way you live. Live for Jesus. Live for Jesus in church. Live for Jesus on the job. Live for Jesus when you travel. Just live for Jesus. Spend your life for God so that people know who you are. Here's another. Check your motives. Just check your motives. God, why am I doing this? For what cause? For what reason? Another is watch what your priorities are. Time is never, never going to stop happening. You're going to get 24 hours a day. What are my priorities? And for you that are here, it's a priority to be in church. For you that are watching online, it's a priority to watch and be sure that you catch a portion of the service. But many have lost sight, even in the church today, of their priorities. Their priorities, you see, God did not create us so that we could ask him what he needed to do for us all the time. God created us for a distinct purpose to serve his church and to serve his will. Not my will, but what? Thy will be done. He said that, that is the thing that I created you for in life. That's what Christianity is. It's not about what I can yet. It's about what I can, can give. And priorities have changed. 
50% of marriages, even today, it's higher now, end in divorce. 44% of those under 35 have cohabitated before they ever got married. 57% of the teens interviewed say that they are, are moderately uh, committed. And not only that, 65% of teens believe the devil is only, only a symbol of evil. And 50% of adults believe that if you're good, you're going to go to heaven. And every bit of that is a lie. Because the only way you go to heaven is through repentance and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we say, look, if you check your priorities, where have you spent your time? Where have you spent your time? If you determine where you've spent your time, it'll light up your priority. In your money and your talent, what do you do? Roll your sleeves up. And your affections, what are you in love with? That'll show you what your priorities are. And to let you know to whom you are serving. Somebody say amen. To whom you're serving. So Jesus is really taking the task, the Jews and the Gentiles in his day, because he said, your mind has been warped by those teachings, but now there's grace and mercy. And he's dealing with the long tradition. Here's what it's called self-service. Self-service. The long tradition of self-service service. And that tradition goes something like this. Get all you can and can all you get. Early bird gets a worm. Get all you can and can all you get. When you are spending yourself out for God and you're spending yourself out for eternity and you're spending yourself out for the love of Jesus Christ, you're not worried about what you get back. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus declared that when you invest in eternal and especially spiritual acts of kindness and service to God and his church, he said that is placed in the vault of preservation. It's there that moth Rust cannot get to it. Thieves cannot steal it. Jesus declares that when we operate under that principle, he said, you will never have to worry about whether or not you're going to be provided for in your life. Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the things that you need to make ends meet. He said, will be provided for you. You see, God never created us and gave us specific talents and abilities that all the benefit that we do because we're smart, because we work hard, because we've had some wonderful opportunities. It was never God's idea that we hoard all that. It was God's idea that we share everything that we have for his honor and his glory. And I can give you the names of a number of business people in this church and other families, I am amazed at what they do as they share the value of worth that God has blessed them with over and over and over again. Blue Hall Gentry Morrison's went down to the county fair the other day. I don't know, he bought four or five steers. They're expensive down at the county fair. Bought several hogs. He called me up. He said, how come you're not down here? I said, well, I have to work. 
I'm in Springfield, Missouri. He said, how many hogs do you want? How many steer do you want? Well, I, I know what he's saying because he's done it every year. I'm going to give it all to the Dream Center. Just tell me how many. I'm going to give it to the Dream Center. I'm going to get, can you imagine a prize steer? The whole thing given to the Dream Center. Somebody say amen. Makes me want to go down to their dinner sometime. Why? Because he learned as being raised in a minister's home. You learn that the most valuable things is not what you keep, but it's what you give. It's what you believe. So we are told, share that worth. Share it yourself. You have something to give. Those of you watching online, you have something to give. For where your treasure is, what else is going to be there? Your heart. Your heart's going to be there. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. There's an evaluation that has to be made on a daily basis by all of us. We have no idea of the difference between sometimes the temporal and the eternal. We also know that those things of true value, they go in the vault where corruption cannot decay or where they cannot be stolen. The question has to be asked, what is my treasure? Terry Rayburn Athena, his wife, died, I don't know, Saturday was a week or two ago. And he and I have been friends and with Athena for well, since high school, so I've known him for all these years in ministry. And when she died, uh, Terry, Terry didn't know anything. I remember one time when after he married Athena, Athena was not raised in church. She didn't know Terry was raised deep in church, in the deep south. So he knew what you should and should not do. And he married Athena. She didn't know anything and, and to begin with didn't really care. So she's married a preacher man. They had to mow grass one time. I rode by. Athena's there with a brand new lawnmower that she put together because Terry didn't know how to put it together. But she knew. She's in a pair of high heels and a pair of shorts in the summertime, mowing grass with that brand new lawnmower. Oh, wow, what a sight. 47 years of marriage. She said to me the other day, Wayne, I got hungry last night. I walked in our big old house and he said, nobody there. They had no children. God did not bless them with children. And he said, that big house. And he said, Athena and I like these, these plastic deals of mixed nuts. And she loved the cashews. He said, so we got ready for some nuts. And he said, I thought I'll have some of those. And he said, I dumped some on a paper towel on the counter, and I was taking, taking and pushing the cashews aside because she liked the cashews. And then it dawned on me, 
She's not here. She's not here to eat those cashews. He said, my life has changed dramatically. What is a treasure? One is your spouse. And if you have a good one, thank God for them. And if you got a not so good one, pray for them. And still thank God for them. Hello? Still thank God for them. How many of you know that in family, a couple that communication is important? Would you raise your hand? Communication is important. How many get it right every time? Raise your hand. Just one. (laughs) But in a breakdown of communication, it's going to cause problems. If I say this, the silent treatment, how many of you know what that means? You don't need a dictionary. The silent treatment. But he and his little honey had a disagreement and an argument, and he was giving her the silent treatment, which from my perspective is usually the opposite, but there again, I'm not sharing that opinion. She joined in the game. If he can be silent... I can be silent. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. The Holy Spirit loves to move in circumstances like that. You know it. So the reality, the next morning he had a business trip. and Had to get up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight. Very important. He wanted to tell her in the worst way, hey, get me up now at 5 a.m., but he did not want to be the first to speak. So he wrote a note, put it on her side of the bed. Wake me up, please, at 5 a.m., When he awakened the next morning, it was 8 a.m. He was angry. He jumped out of bed and went to looking for his wife. And he noticed on his side of the bed, it's 5 a.m., wake up. How much of Jesus you think's in that mix? Not much. How many believe that that, that spouse, male or female, is still of eternal value? May I see your hand? You might think of temple value in that moment, but that's eternal value that's there. You see, that's what I call the breakdown of communication. What else is important? How about your kids? Hello? Say amen. How about your grandkids? Raise your hand. That's important. How about your house, where you live? That, I think that's important. That's a part. Your parents, they'll be here and then buddy, gone just like that. How about, uh, how about money? How about, how about your health? And all of those things placed in their proper places are important. But most all of that, your house and your money, 
all relate to temporal things. And when we give to God, everything that we give, whether it's our time, our talent, or our ability, God says, that's eternal. That will come back and bless you. That will bless you. You see, the treasure is not what I possess, but rather who possesses me. It's not what I possess, but who possesses me. David said, God, create a clean and pure heart in me. Paul said, well, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, finished the course. The true treasure is not what we say. It's not what we say necessarily, but first it's what God says. What does God say? He says, well done. You built treasures for eternal value. Servant, you have been faithful. You have not been engaged in total temporal. He said, you have been faithful with a few things, and those few things, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's the first thing. What does God say? He takes note of all of that. And then secondly, what those who know you best, what do they say about you? With the people you work with, what would they say about your Christian experience? What would the family members, what would they say about you? Would they say something that would be God-honoring? Would they say, man, that person to give you the shirt off their back? Would they say, but I'll tell you one thing, he was one of the finest Christian men, one of the finest Christian ladies I've ever met. I never heard him ever use any foul language at all. I heard always talking about God, always talking about the church. You see, friend, when you have lived daily placing items in that vault of eternal value, when your life comes to an end, many casket right down here, and God calls your name, and when others begin to talk about you, What are they going to say in reality? What are they going to say? Well, boy, they were wealthy. They're big time rich. Spent millions on political campaigns. But how many people found Christ as a result of their witness? How many people touched were touched by the generosity. How many times did we give a hug to someone that wasn't important at that time to us apart, but it made a difference in their lives? All of us have those individuals that we may just do something casually to and for that we think, well, that wasn't much, but to them, it was of eternal value. I pray that God will help all of us in our journey as it relates to loving God. Terry Rayburn said to me today, he said, you know, Wayne, the people that you've been on the journey with the longest are the ones that, the ones that you continue to increase that relationship and make it more precious. So I encourage you 
when you leave here tonight, rain or no rain, that you just ask God in your own heart, God, am I, am I still really doing eternal things? Nothing wrong with doing temporal things. It's a part of life. Nothing wrong with that. I asked a man the other day, how many pair of shoes do you have? His answer was, his wife spoke up and said he has 30 pair. I thought, then he asked Sharon, how many pair of shoes does, does Wayne have? Sharon says four pair. I thought, I'm a few short. And there are some people in the world, they're shoe fanatics. Anybody know one of them? I know some. But the point is, the point is, okay, he's got 30 pair of shoes. I don't fault that person. You know why? Because I know all the good they do in addition to that for eternity in touching lives. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for this privilege tonight. <coughs> we thank you in the name of Jesus. Your name is so sweet. You are worthy to be praised. You are honored we pray for those online watching right now that you would encourage and strengthen them. Some may be sick and not able to be here. Others, God, have listened in attentively. I pray that you would bless them. For those of us in the room, we all have the privilege of making a little decision here and saying, God, I just want to nudge forward a little bit. Just be a little more, a little more knowledgeable of, of what my life is about. I want to be sure that what I do brings glory and honor to you. So Jesus, I need your help. You might be here and you might be online and you might be in this room or you might listen later and pull this out of the archives. And you know that in your heart of hearts, you're a good person. You've got all that down, but you know the reality of the matter is this. You've never humbled yourself and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. You might be a professing believer and you say, okay, I know I'm a professing believer. But in your heart of hearts, others that you know would say, yeah, but man, their language is so bad. How does that add up? We want to be pure outside and inside. So help us, Lord. So just in case there are those that are listening or those that are here, whenever... I'm going to ask you to let's all pray this prayer to get a little forgiveness. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I believe by faith that I am forgiven. So I want you to take my heart. I desire to serve you with all my heart, all my mind, and all my strength. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody say amen. Here's what we know. Some of you need prayer. Some of you have a special need. Don't ever discount altar time. Ever, ever. The valuable part of the service is when we have the privilege to respond to what we've heard and let the Holy Spirit touch us. And as the Holy Spirit is speaking now as I'm talking, you may say, I want to come down. And I just, I want to be prayed for, for somebody else. Somebody that's on my heart, somebody I know. You know what? If you're obedient to that, that's an eternal deed right there. That's an eternal deed. I want to stand in for them. God, I want them, I want them to draw closer. I, I want to do that. So as we sing this song, 
Whatever it is that you need and you need to come, you come right now and then we'll give the benediction in a moment. Here we go, everybody. Let's sing together. I will Here we go now. Sing it again. Say, I surrender. Oh, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we have served you. We have delivered the message that you placed on our heart. And God, I feel free because I know that I have been obedient to you. And I shift that anointing now into these altars. There are people tonight who need a miracle of God. Well, we serve a miracle working God. There are individuals that lives in the secret of their heart you're dealing with them because they know absolutely that there's some little changes that they need to make in the process. Let it be so and let it be done. It is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. You are coming and coming again soon. And Lord, on the horizon, there is a battle that's going to be fought between good and evil, and it's not far away. So God, we are warming up to that now. I take a moment to pray for the coronavirus, God. It seems like no one can get a handle on that. But here's what we do know. You have the power to stop it dead in its tracks. God, you have the ability to bring cure to every person that's adversely affected. Some of our missionaries are, are in harm's way, God. And they need the protecting hand of Jesus. Others have already been afflicted by it. Would you heal them and anoint them? And then we pray for our nation, God. I pray in your holy name, your name would be raised up. That honor and glory might be given to God. And stay the hand of every evil force that would come against our nation as you honor God. We give you praise and we give you glory. And everybody said... Amen. I love you, everybody. Shake hands. Be as friendly as you can.